0: Well, have you ever experienced something, specifically something you had high expectations for, something you were looking forward to only after you left that thing, you just thought, that is not what I expected. That is not what I hoped for. For instance, I've heard lots of different people talk about how much they love Del Taco. So I had high expectations for Going to Del Taco. I'll admit it's not the you know, finest Mexican cuisine, but based on how many people love it, I thought I would at least enjoy it, so I tried Del Taco and let me say I was less than impressed. Sorry for all the Del Taco lovers that are, that are out there. Th- this, this next one might get me in trouble knowing how popular it is, but just based off all of the hype, all the recommendations, I had really, really high expectations for watching Hamilton on Disney, on Disney+, Plus, but about 15 minutes in, I looked at my wife, Sabrina, I was like, are you into this? Thank God she wasn't, so we watched something different. It was not what I hoped for. All that to say, that's actually how I feel about our return to in-person gatherings today, and specifically how I feel about this message, I believe, God's laid on my heart to give you. I feel like we're all gonna leave and say, That's not what I expected. It's not what I hoped for. Aren't you glad you came to church today? If you're watching on on demand or on the live platform, after that introduction, you're probably really, really glad you chose to stay home, but welcome again to you. We are uh, glad that you are with us. If you happen to be uh, here for the first time, we've had several first timers today, like kudos to you, proud of you for trying a new church in the midst of all this craziness, but you might be thinking, who in the world did they let preach today? Well, if you don't know, I hope you're not disappointed. My name's Jeff Manis. I am the lead pastor of this place. And uh, I, I'm thrilled. I'm thrilled to actually be pe- preaching to people in the room again. You don't know how much I missed that. But even though I'm thrilled, I still have this great sense of uncertainty. I'm just unsure about how all of this is going to play out. We're calling today our homecoming service as we relaunch our in-person gatherings. But as you're seeing at our own church, but also just in life in general, like everything is different. Everything is different. It's just not going to feel the same. And I said this at the beginning. I want to say it again here. I just want to let you know that's okay. (laughs) It's okay That you might leave today saying, that just wasn't what I expected. It wasn't what I was hoping it would be. It doesn't make you a bad person. It just means things are different. Before I get too far here, I do need to let you know about a new sermon series we're starting next week called Exiles. I'm super excited uh, about this series. In the series, we're going to walk through some of the major storylines of one of my favorite books in the Bible, the book of Daniel in the Old Testament portion of the Bible. And in the series, we're going to talk about what it looks like to live out our lives as believers in a foreign land. And the reason I say foreign lands so is you may not realize this, but America is not our forever home. <laughs> the kingdom of God is. And so we're gonna talk about what it looks like for for us to live as Christians, not just having a certain set of beliefs but a certain behavior, a way in which we live as exiles in a foreign land. If you're able to be here in person, I'd love for you to invite somebody to to come with you next week. But uh, we're going to have all this online as well. So again, to everybody watching online, uh, we're going to offer the same sermon to you and and worship as well. And uh, you can invite people to come to the online platform too at the same service times, 830 1030 and then 12:30 as well. Today I want to specifically address our return to what we're doing now, our in-person gatherings. And I want to challenge us with something. I've said this so many times in my preaching before COVID-19 and maybe said it just as many now, now after as a reminder to myself and to our church, that the church is not a building. The church is not even the Sunday morning gathering. it's it's an important part of church, very important part. Like I believe when we are safe and allowed and able to do it, that we are commanded by God to to gather together like this for the corporate worship of, of God through singing, the reading of the word, communion, prayer, all of that. But the reality is we can meet together in this building as Christians and never really be the church. That's scary to me as your pastor. It's challenging for me. And it leads right to the big idea that I have today for us on the screens if you want to write it down, that we can gather together as a church without ever really being the church. It's just as quiet now as when I preach to an empty room. woo We can gather together as a church, as a group of, of individual Christians in this building without ever actually being The church. Isn't that challenging? So here's the big question we've got to to ask today: what are some signs that we're being the church? Key word there is some. These aren't all the signs, but what are some signs that we're being the church? Acts 2, 42 through 47 is the main scripture today. That's in the New Testament portion of the Bible. All the scriptures will be on the screens for you, or you can use your own Bible or the UVersion Bible app. Follow along there, and I've not got to say this in five months. If you're here today and you don't own your own Bible, we would love to give you one for free. We love giving Bibles away. Uh, just stop by the guest services uh, desk out in the lobby before you go. We'll get you a Bible free of charge. Here in this passage, we're going to see some key characteristics of the early church And I believe some key characteristics of what we are called to as church, but also as individual Christians. Now I know that probably not everyone in this room or listening online calls themselves a Christian. You may not have put your faith in Jesus or be a follower of Jesus. You may not even know if you want to be a part of a church yet. You're just checking it out. So please know we love it that you are here. We love you Even if you never, ever put your faith in Jesus here. And the cool thing is today, you get to see a picture of what the church should be. I even give you permission to kind of analyze our church and say, well, you're definitely not living up to what you're saying there. You are free to do that because we're not. We all have some work to do and some of the things I'm talking about today. A picture of what God's calling us to if we claim to be one of his followers. That we can gather together as a church without ever really being the church. So what are some signs that we're being the church? Let's dive right in. Acts 2, starting in verse 42, says this, all the believers devoted themselves to, and we're gonna stop there, to what? What did they devote themselves to? I I wish you actually did not even have the capability uh, of reading beyond that in your own Bible, uh, or some of you even know what it's about to say. You're familiar enough with Scripture. I wish you didn't know what it was about to say. So if you already know what it says, just imagine with me, if you were reading what these believers were devoted to, and you knew nothing what was said, and you're talking about American Christians, okay, we're going to play a game, what would you say American Christians are devoted to? My first Sunday back, I'm not sure I should even say these out loud, but here we go. They were devoted to their preferred political party or ideology. They were devoted to their right to gather in person and not wear a mask they were devoted to their convenience and comfort when selecting a church that checks all the boxes of their preferences. They were devoted to their kids' traveling sports team. Is that hidden close to home? I haven't preached to people in a room in a long time, so I'm having a really hard time reading what everybody's sensing right now. So let's just move on, shall we? Let's read the whole verse, and I'll tell you what they were devoted to. Acts 2, verse 42, all the believers, everyone say all. All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, that's communion, and to prayer. So the first sign that we're being the church that I see from this passage is this. Number one, there is a devotion. There's a devotion. All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, the ways of Jesus. And notice, it was was believers that devoted themselves, not those who didn't believe. So side note that I don't have too much time to drill down on, but as Christians, we've got to stop trying to get people who don't believe to act as if they do. That was good right there, by the way, because it can't happen. Without the Holy Spirit in us, none of us can live out what God wants from us. But here it says, All the believers were devoted to the apostles' teaching. And if you want to know what the apostles' teaching was, just read the Gospels in the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Read 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John. Read 1st and 2nd Peter. All of it in the New Testament portion of, of the Bible. Those, those men, they were eyewitnesses, apostles, disciples of Jesus, eyewitnesses to the life, ministry, death, and resurrection of Jesus. And they proclaimed, Jesus is alive, and our response to him is to surrender to to his lordship and his way in our life. If you want to know what the apostles' teaching was, just go back and listen to Pastor Fred's sermon that he just got done doing for the last four weeks called Uncomfortable, which, by the way, he did a great job. I'm so thankful for him and for his leadership here in our church. But he taught us that the life of a disciple, a devoted follower of Jesus, devoted to the apostles' teaching, could be summed up in one verse that was actually the words of Jesus. Jesus. Jesus said, if any of you want to be my followers, you must turn from your selfish ways, take up your cross, and follow me. And our scripture tells us all the believers were devoted to that. All of them. That's mind-blowing to me. That every single believer was devoted to the ways of Jesus. Now, did they stay that way? (laughs) Quick answer is no, just read the rest of the New Testament. They were about as jacked up as we are eventually. But at this little pocket of time, all the believers were devoted. And here's what that means for me and for us As a church, as we return to our in-person gatherings, I'm all for, if you know anything about me, you know, I'm all for seeing people come to know Jesus in this place and through our ministry. That will never stop being a part of who we are. That was at the heartbeat of Jesus. It will always be at the heartbeat of our church, but we can't be satisfied with just seeing people be forgiven of their sins. We've got to continually move people forward into the full life that Jesus offers us. That's part of our vision. Our vision, we exist to guide people to experience life to its what? Fullest. Connect into meaningful relationships. Make a lasting impact. We're actually going to see uh, every part of our vision in this uh, passage here, expressed in this passage. But that, that first part is what I'm talking about. Life to the full. Not just being forgiven, but being filled with the power of the Holy Spirit, filled with a life that is rooted and centered on Jesus through my full surrender of all my rights and all my life. That's how I receive the full life Jesus has for me, and we must be unapologetic In calling all of us, me included, to that standard. Because it is the standard of scripture. We're going to get to the fellowship and breaking bread part. They were devoted to that too. We'll get to that later. But it also says here they were devoted to prayer. All of them (laughs) were devoted to prayer. One of the defining characteristics of being the church is a devotion to prayer. It's one of the reasons why we started the first Tuesday prayer event that happens uh, here on the first Tuesday of, of each month from 6.30 to 7.30 p.m. that I hope we will start seeing more and more people engage with as we continue. We're going to meet right here in this room, first Tuesday, for prayer and worship. And this last Tuesday, we had our second prayer event. And let me tell you, there's very few people in this room, but God met us here. God met us here. And let me tell you this too, prayer matters. It matters. Just a couple weeks ago, I was at an event here in town with some pastors and community leaders at First Methodist Church, and sitting at my table at this event was our mayor here of Cheyenne, Mayor Orr. She had to leave early, so she asked if she could address all the pastors in the room. And she talked about how COVID-19 the, this season has stretched her in ways that she never imagined she could be stretched. She reminded us and told us how important, as, as churches and Christians, our prayers are for our community leaders. And then she looked right at me, and she said, and Jeff? And I'm like, oh, crap. I didn't know what happened, what I did, what I, I didn't know where she was going. And she said, I'm going to cry saying this. And through kind of a broken voice with tears in her eyes, she said, a couple of weeks into COVID, after your Easter services at Element Church, I started getting so many cards in the mail. It was these cards, okay? On them, it says, you've been prayed for. It was the cards we gave to you during our drive-through Easter service, you might remember. They were pre-postage, and we told you to write a note to a community leader, pray for them, send it to them. And she's, she uh, said, you have no idea how much those cards mean, how much they meant, and how much they helped. She kept every single card she got, and she pulls them out occasionally to read them. Then a week after that, so we're, we're talking, this was last month this all happened, a week after the mayor, I was talking with one of our county commissioners. And he said almost the exact same thing. He said, I was blown away at the love and support and prayer that your church gave me through these cards that you sent out. He said, your prayers matter. Listen, I firmly believe that many of the miracles, signs, and wonders that the early church experienced were directly related to the devotion they had to prayer. And I want to see that in our church for us and I want to see it for you individually as well. In fact, I want to challenge everyone who's here today. I think we should. Christina, we got enough cards left? Okay. We we printed some more. They're pre-postage. On your way out today, uh, you're going to, if you want one, you can, you can take a card. So we have ushers that will be there to hand the cards out. Uh, they'll have gloves on and everything. We want to hand the cards out so that you don't walk out, wipe your nose, and then put your hand in a bunch of cards. So we're going to give them to you on your way out. Just... I would challenge you with this. Pick a community leader, the mayor, commissioner, whatever. Write a note to them, send it, and then commit to pray for them this whole week as God reminds you to do that. That's on your way out today. Then verse 43 says this. A deep sense of awe came over them all, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. So we can gather together as a church without ever really being the church. What are some signs we're being the church. Number one, there's a devotion. Number two, there is a deep sense of awe. When we're truly being the church, there's a deep sense of awe. And notice again, this, this awe came over them all, every believer. So, so when we gather When we worship and pray and teach, no matter how many people are in the room, I want us to continually fix our gaze on heaven. To acknowledge the majesty, wonder, greatness, and awe of who our great God is. That when we gather as believers, we're not just gathering in a building or gathering in a home. We are standing in the presence of our resurrected king. We are standing in the presence of God himself. That that God who put skin on and then shed his own blood, died on a cross, rose from the dead, and then offers himself fully and freely to us. Are you serious? And we're just going to stand here in his presence with our hands in our pockets or our arms crossed as if it's no big deal? Are you kidding me? This God that breathed the universe into existence with the very word of his mouth invites me into his presence? Come on. Church, when did we lose the awe of who God is and the awe of who we are in him? When did we lose that? God, I pray. I pray you would root deep down into our church a sense of awe in who you are and who we are in you, that we would never stand in your presence and take it for granted. But we have a deep sense of awe that comes over our church, and it like this. It just goes on with more unbelievable descriptions. Look at this, verse forty-four, and all. The believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. Is that not counter American? They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. We don't have time. Read Acts chapter 4 on your own. In Acts chapter 4, it says about the church there was no needy people among them. That's amazing. Why? Because they lived out the third sign. There is a radical generosity in being the church. I, don't, I can't spend much time here, but if there's anything I feel like our church and you, our church people, excel in, it's this one. Generosity. If, if we kept the pedal down on anything through this COVID-19 season, it's been being generous, random or uh, r- radical acts of generosity and love to those around us. And listen, our giving through all this has been fantastic. Like amazing our giving ha- has been. I'm so proud of you, our, our church people. There are other churches around the country who had to make drastic financial Decisions. We made some financial decisions to cut back in certain areas, but we didn't make the drastic ones that some churches are making. Why? Because you're generous. So literally, I cannot express my gratitude enough how thankful I am as your pastor that you chose to be generous all the way through this very difficult season. The generosity of our church was even confirmed by another pastor in town. So when everything kind of started opening back up and uh, I had coffee with a, the pastor of Meadowbrook Church Here in Cheyenne, he's fairly new to town. We had not met, and so he wanted to have coffee, and it was great getting to know him and more about his ministry. He gave me permission to share this. He told me, uh, one of the things he shared with me was a recent event they did at Meadowbrook where they provided, much like the event we shared with you earlier, they provided restaurant gift cards to all the first responders here in town. And he told me, he said, when we gave them the gifts, the people assumed we were from Element Church. So he, he graciously and kindly corrected them, which he should have, gave the credit where credit was due, the Meadowbrook people, but he said, I just want you to know that what you're doing at Elements is noticed. So much so that when one church lives out generosity, the gift receivers believe it's your people. Isn't that cool? That's the lasting impact part of our, of our vision. And listen, I love the fact that Meadowbrook is living this out. Like if you don't know, let me reassure you, we are four other churches in Cheyenne. We are four other churches, we need other churches to, to join us and being challenged to, to live this out. But listen, radical generosity is not just of our treasure, our finances, fully devoted followers of Jesus, they are generous with their time. Serving and loving those around them. They're generous with their talent, their, their gifts. Serving God's church by being a part of, of, of His body. Radical generosity of time, talent, and treasure is a hallmark characteristic of what it means to be the church. It's challenging. And then now, only now, do we get to the gathering part of what it means to be the church. But it's so much deeper than just a church service. Verses 46 and 47 says this, they worship together at the temple, how often? Each day. Did you know that before COVID-19 even hit, so before COVID-19 hit, the average church attender in America, not just the average American, average church attender in America went to church 1.5 times a month. I don't know how you go 0.5 times, you hate the sermon and leave halfway through or something, I don't know, but... We, as American church attenders, we struggle to go to church 1.5 times a month. These early believers went every day. So, starting this week, just kidding, we're not doing that. (laughs) Which, by the way, I've been hilarious for five months. It's good to hear laughter in the room. So, they met at the temple each day, and then it got deeper. They met in homes. For the Lord's Supper, that's communion, they shared meals with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. This book ends what we started with that says they were devoted to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, including communion, and to prayer. And they did that in their homes, not just in the temple where they met every day. So we can gather together like this, and it's awesome. I love it. We need it. We should keep on doing it as long as we're able to. But we can gather here and never really be the church. So what's, what are some signs that we're being the church? There's a devotion, a sense of awe, radical generosity. Number four what I see here. There is true community. There's true community. This is the get connected part of our vision that, yes, the, these early Christians were, were meeting for worship at the temple, much like we are doing today. Even Jesus, when he was uh, walking the earth, would meet at the temple for worship as, as well. But they were also meeting in their homes for, for fellowship, communion, prayer, breaking bread. It does not list this in, in the passage, but, but we know just by reading reading about the early Christians, they were holding one another accountable. They were bearing each other's burdens. They were caring for each other's needs. For many of these people, this was their new family. Because as a a Jewish person, to follow Jesus, your Jewish family might abandon you. So for many of these Christians, it wasn't just going to church for one hour and going back to your family. No, this was a new family that they belonged to. Not family by blood themselves, but family by the blood of Christ, which is thicker than our family blood. And listen, I know some people aren't going to like me saying this, but I'll get over it and so will you. In some ways, I almost wish we would have had to wait longer to start our in-person gatherings again. If I'm being really real, when we announced what our reopen plan was, we got quite a few complaints and criticisms. We've had a couple families choose to switch churches based on our reopen plan. I'm telling you, church, I'm worried for a lot of us if this thing goes backwards. I'm worried for a lot of us. If the doors have to close again or gathering restrictions are limited to a smaller size, which is happening all around the country. You see, there are too many Christians, even Christians in our own church, who are only counting on the Sunday morning gathering in the building as their community. And it is doing the bare minimum to sustain and grow your faith. I firmly believe that until we are willing to allow other people into the most vulnerable parts of our lives through community, sharing our struggles, sharing our weaknesses, and until we allow ourselves to be brought into other people's vulnerability, we will never become the followers of Jesus he's designed for us to be. And I'll warn you now if you don't want to be in community, you are not going to like my preaching upon our return because I'm going to talk about it again and again and again and again because you will not grow the way God has designed you to grow by simply attending a one-hour service every week. You need to be in people's lives. I ran into a pastor in June I was out for a walk. He was out for a walk. We, their church had opened. Typically, pastors, when they meet one another, the question is, how many people go to your church? How many? What was church attendance? Now the question is, are you guys open yet? So he asked me, are you, you guys aren't open yet, right? I said, no. So said, we're open on August 9th. He's like, man, we've been open, he's like, since May something. He said, but I'll tell you this. He said, we opened whatever date it was. He said, but we opened at least a month too early. I said, really? I said, well, explain. He said, our people were begging us to open our doors. Begging us. They wanted community. He said, we missed the opportunity to teach them that community does not happen in the building. It happens in the home. And we opened our doors, and now everybody thinks they have community. I don't want that. I love what we do here. I love the energy and excitement and passion and power that happens when God's people gather together for this. But this is not all you need. You need to go deeper with other people. And listen, I know, I know it's weird. I know it looks different with COVID. I get it. I get it. I get it. But the devil's doing everything he can to isolate us. So we got to work all the harder to stay connected. All the harder. It's one of the signs that we're being the church. It's one of the signs that we're being a follower of Jesus. That we're willing to connect the community. And and what was the end result? Well, last part of verse 47. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. Notice they didn't add those who were being saved. The Lord added them. Their focus was on being devoted to the apostles' teaching. To fellowship, breaking of bread, communion prayer. They were devoted to having a deep sense of awe in who God is and who they were in God. They were devoted to radical generosity and they were devoted to being in community. And the end result, the Lord added to their number every day those who were being saved. So which one's God challenging you with today? Has your commitment to the ways of Jesus waned and you need to be redevoted to him? Have you lost or never had the sense of awe in who God is and who you are in him? Have you become more selfish with your time, your talents, your treasure? Have you, for whatever reason, avoided community in your life? Father in heaven, All I know is where I stand right now with you. I don't know where anybody else is with you. But Lord, I know for myself, this message was challenging for me as a pastor. It was challenging when I presented it to our staff. Lord, it's challenging to present this to our people today, but I believe it's the word you had for us. So God, would would you just realign our hearts to be devoted to your ways, the apostles' teaching? Lord, would you root in us a deep sense of awe in who you are? Lord, would you strip away the pride and selfishness that keeps us holding on to our time, talents, and treasure? And Lord, would you please enable all of us, all of us, to find a place where we are in true community with other Christians, outside of just the, the wonderful worship experience we have, Lord, may we find true community with other Christians. Lord, as we move forward, we do, we ask, we ask you, Lord, we ask you to, to provide a cure, to provide a, a medicine for this virus. We ask you, Lord, to protect us physically, emotionally, spiritually, financially. But, Lord, like Jared said earlier, if you, if you provide a cure but our souls aren't fixed, then we're lost. So, Lord, fix our souls upon you, regardless of what happens. In Jesus' name, amen. I love you guys so much. It's, I missed you. And today's been an absolute blast for me to be able to preach to you again. Don't forget on your way out, we got cards for you. You don't have to take one. You're not a worse Christian if you don't take one. But if you want to pray for someone, take one. Send it to them. Pray for them. If you need prayer for anything, we do have our prayer team. They're going to be wearing masks and doing social distance and all that. They're all the way in the back of the room to pray for whatever need you might have in your life. Other than that, I hope to be back next week as we start our new series called Exiles. Super uh, excited about that. Love you. Have a great week. You're dismissed.